Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this special edition of the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. The Green Nonprofit Show. You know going green is the right thing to do for the environment and your organization. But budgets are tight, and knowing how to get started can be a mystery. This show provides the practical advice on going green you and your colleagues need. While each week the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart Radio Show provides advice on fundraising, board development, and social media, this special edition is all about helping you go green on a nonprofit budget. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, this show draws from experts around the world and his book, The Nonprofit Guide to Going Green, available on Amazon.com and at GreenNonprofits.org. Guests on the nonprofit coach, The Green Show, are leaders in their field who share tips and trade secrets for nonprofits. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. Remember, just like our weekly show, this is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of the nonprofit coach, The Green Show, Ted Hart. And welcome here to this special edition of the nonprofit coach. This is a partnership with greennonprofits.org. Our efforts here today are to not only provide you information on the nonprofit uh, fundraising and philanthropy space, but also to encourage you and to provide information on how your organization can do the right thing by going green. Those of you who are familiar with the regular Nonprofit Coach radio show, as the announcer just mentioned, know that this is a live call-in show, so you can dial 347 324 3080, or you can also join us over in the chat room. I do see folks over in uh, the chat room. You can ask questions there, or you can email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on the Nonprofit Coach and here on the Green Show, we start with page one news. This is Tuesday, September 25th, and this is Ted Hart coming to you live from the national headquarters of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. You can, as always, follow along in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. We often provide updates on free services that are available to nonprofit organizations. One of the free services that we track and provide updates on is freeconferencecall.com. If you go to freeconferencecall.com, you will find that they have just added uh, some additional uh, countries and services that are available for your organization. You'll want to check that out at at, uh, freeconferencecall.com and the expanding number of countries. And in this case, I believe that they've just added uh, several new countries in Scandinavia that you can use on the free service. Uh, keep in mind that if you uh, do call in for to ask a question of our page two expert, just press number one to let me know that you want to ask a question. Uh, pay, our page two expert uh, today comes to us from the Earth Organization, our, the international president, Barbara Wiseman, and she'll be with us live here on the Nonprofit Coach immediately following page one news. Next up here on page one news comes to us from GuideStar. Uh, This is a terrific free download that you definitely want to get your hands on, and that is Money for Good 2, Money for Good, More uh, for More Good. This is a free nonprofit fundraising guidebook uh, that is now available uh, at uh, GuideStar.org. Don't miss the opportunity, and we'll be tweeting that link out to you uh, at Ted Hart immediately following the show. Uh, So don't forget to make sure that you are joining us on uh, Twitter by uh, uh, following me at Ted Hart. 
Next up here on the nonprofit coach, uh, coming to us from Mashable, Mashable Social Media. Now, this is some very interesting uh, information. 50% of consumers say that they value the brand's Facebook page more than its website. If you're debating the power of social media for branding, here's more proof. 50% of consumers think a brand's Facebook page is much more useful to them uh, than the average brand's website. Market research company Lab42, which surveyed 1,000 social media users about how they interact with brands on Facebook, uh, found that consumers view uh, the brand's Facebook presence is more important than ever. In fact, 82% of respondents said the Facebook page is a great place to interact with brands, uh, particularly for discounts, coupons, uh, and interactions on uh, various products and services. Read about that over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. You'll also find over in the radio links today the state of grant seeking uh, fall 2002. Now, this is a, a joint partnership with GrantStation in Philantech. The state of grant seeking fall 2002 is a fifth semi-annual informal survey of nonprofits uh, conducted to reveal the current state of grant seeking in the United States. We'd like to invite all of our listeners of the Nonprofit Coach to take part in this survey. Uh, you can find the link at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. One of uh, our uh, favorite uh, partners uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach is the Giving USA uh, folks and the uh, Giving USA Foundation. Today, uh, joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is Greg Carlson. Greg is here to talk about a fantastic new report uh, that is available from Giving USA, and this is the Nonprofit Research Collaborative Board Engagement Report. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach, Greg Carlson. Good to be with you, Ted. Hey, Greg, great to have you here. Now, tell us all about uh, this board engagement report. Our listeners do have a link in the radio links today uh, directly to the report. What will they find? Well, this is a very interesting study, Ted. It's the first of its kind examining board fundraising activities and how those activities and participation by the board impacts the nonprofit's ability to reach their financial goals. And in, in what is the connection between those two as the report and the study shows? Well, really, um, three very interesting findings, but let me begin with a recommendation. Um, based on uh, what we've seen uh, from this study, I would strongly recommend that nonprofit organization leadership share this study with their um, chair of their board. Uh, with ideally this study being used uh, in some kind of a board retreat or breakout to examine the board's reaction to what they're doing and how it relates to this study. Uh, now, three I found uh, in your key findings uh, some very important sort of best practices that I think you are testing to see if, uh, if in fact what most of us that are engaged in working with boards of directors do feel are um, uh, our best practices, one of, uh, of which is, of course, engaging board members in the fundraising itself. And you found that 60% of those who did engage their board members actually met their goals compared to 53% of those who did not. So engaging exactly. your board just in the fundraising process um, helps open doors. Is that, is that what you're finding? Exactly right. So involving them, asking your board to um, share contact lists, to invite them to be a part of hosting events, et cetera, that step alone it makes a huge difference in likelihood of your ability to reach your financial goals. So this really is a team effort. This, this cannot just be outsourced to a consultant uh, or to a single person on staff. That's exactly right. And then the next step through the findings uh, is to um, actually have a development committee um, surprisingly, not all nonprofits do this, but to have a, a section of your board, a development committee established, really with the goal of having then board members challenging fellow board members when it comes to fundraising activities as opposed to just having the staff trying to lead the charge. We found that 63% of the organizations that have a development committee are actually hitting their fundraising goals, uh, the highest percentage that we show. Yeah, that that is important. Now, one of the the other things that that uh, uh, many of us consider to be a best practice, and and I was very pleased to see you had this in re, in your report, um, is this concept of 
uh, minimum standards of giving for board members. So if you serve on a board, um, it's not just the, the oversight that you provide, but because it's a philanthropic organization, you should be philanthropic yourself towards that organization. What have you found and what are, what are some of the norms that, that are really working? We found that 57% um, of nonprofits that were surveyed, which was, by the way, about 1,600 in the U.S. and 180 in Canada, 57% uh, do require some type of board-level gift. But we drilled down even further, and it was very interesting to see what the range of those gifts really are, um, all the way from $10 participation gifts all the way up to $100,000 uh, required gift giving. And if you, when you go to the survey, people will see that we actually differentiate this by nonprofit sector, just like we do in the Giving USA report. So arts, religion, education, environment, et cetera. So you can drill down to see your particular sector. Uh, what we found is that the median gift when one is required uh, to be a board member and participation is about $1,000. And that was true for many of the sectors uh, with though uh, the arts being higher at about uh, 2,000 and education being the highest at about 2,500. And, and and did you did you find that that made it more difficult for organizations to recruit board members in the first place? Not really. Um, it, it really was a part of setting expectations when inviting board members to be a part of uh, the organization, um, having fellow board members when inviting others to join them, explaining uh, why that's such an important part of philanthropy. So, no, we didn't see a, um, a problem with that, uh, although it, it does require, of course, more education and more effort to um, pick the right board members and um, when you're recruiting to be uh, transparent about the uh, requirement when you have one. Yeah, so, so no surprises after uh, someone says, uh, yes to uh, to serve on your board if you want to uh, to succeed. Why why this report? Why why focus on board member involvement in, in giving with all the various topics that you folks uh, manage and, and deal with? Uh, why this report? Why now? Well, of, of course, it all begins with the board. Um, one of the myths, though, that we did debunk in this study is that some organizations or the the general public sometimes feel that the board is uh, raising the majority of the money or providing, if you will, rather, the majority of the money to a nonprofit organization. Our study found that actually board giving represents just about 10% of total giving to that nonprofit organization. Having said that, though, it, it starts and ends with the board in terms of leadership. And one of the things the study does is actually look at 11 different board activities. Uh, and again, this is what would be so helpful to review with the board. But generally, those 11 activities are divided between a board member supplying access. So what does that mean? Sharing contact lists, asking uh, friends and associates to participate, securing sponsorships, personal visits, hosting an event, those kinds of, if you will, access provided uh, board benefits versus uh, signals, where your board leadership provides signals to your general family base and community things like allowing use of their name, chairing an event or a campaign, et cetera. And so it would be very interesting to review these 11 act board activities as it pertains to fundraising and have a discussion about how your board views these activities and what they're doing to help the board, uh, the organization succeed as a whole. So there certainly are options for board members to be involved. Did your study come to any conclusions in terms of which activities are either more successful or easier for board members to be engaged in? Well, uh, of course, the the, um, the signal activities uh, whereby they're lending their name, et cetera, are um, less time intensive, uh, but also probably make uh, less of an impact versus the actual personal visits or hosting an event or asking for the gifts. Uh, the number one thing you can have a board member do is invite someone to join him or her in making a gift to your organization. Again, that peer giving to uh, to peers is such an important aspect of fundraising. Well, bravo to the folks at Giving USA Foundation and the the entire collaborative. Now, before I let you go, tell us a little bit about just so my listeners uh, become familiar with uh, what is the nonprofit research collaborative. Um, it, that is that's more than just the Giving USA Foundation. Is that correct? 
Exactly right. It's uh, the Nonprofit Research Collaborative is made up of the following members, AFP, Blackboard, Campbell Rinker, the Giving USA Foundation, of which I'm involved, and uh, NCCS of the Urban Institute. So these organizations have all come together to form the Nonprofit Research Collaborative, and you'll, you're able to find this not only on your link, but at nonprofitresearchcollaborative.org. That's terrific. Well, um, make sure that uh, as your research comes out, you uh, come right back here to the Nonprofit Coach and let all of our listeners know how they can benefit from the important work of the collaborative. Thanks for tracking this stuff, Ted. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Greg uh, Carlson with the, is Vice Chair of the Giving USA Foundation and is today representing the Nonprofit Research Collaborative. Uh, make sure that uh, you go to tedhart.com and you'll be able to get a copy of this special report Engaging Board Members in Fundraising, a report based on data collected by the Nonprofit Fundraising uh, Survey. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, is uh, just a reminder that today's show is a partnership with GreenNonprofits.org. This is an organization that provides information to nonprofit organizations who would like to go green. We have an organization here today and a representative uh, from uh, the, uh, an organization today uh, which has just recently become certified. Today, uh, joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is a person that I'm very proud of. Uh, Jesse Kraft uh, works with me here at the Charities Aid Foundation of America as our coordinator of philanthropic advisory services and a grants assistant. Uh, welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach, Jesse Kraft. Great to be here, Ted. Jesse, it's uh, terrific to have you on here, I, and I appreciate the opportunity to work with you. But today we're specifically uh, talking about um, the efforts of CAF America uh, to, uh, to go green. That's the Charities Aid Foundation of America. So let's start off with um, what is CAF America? So basically, CAF America is an international grant maker that assists U.S. donors in making grants to foreign nonprofits. So we vet international charities before we make grants to ensure best practices in grant making and ensure that the donor's money is going where they would like it to go and safely. So we provide many services and solutions to donors and charities, such as uh, Friends of Funds or Donor Advised Funds. That's terrific. An important work there, but also being an industry leader in international uh, grant making uh, also requires the organization to be a, a leader in other ways. Uh, and CAF America did make the decision earlier this year to seek certification uh, free, from greennonprofits.org. Um, how did you get started? Well, basically, you know, we opened up the application and looked at what, what identified what initiatives we had already completed, and then we separated other possible initiatives that we would undertake into groups of short-term and long-term goals and kind of started tackling each one from there. Um, but really important in beginning the certification process is not only realizing what you needed to do, what certain initiatives needed to happen, but also in, in engaging the team and the staff um, it, within your organization and garnering their support because it is really important for the entire team to be involved in an initi initiative of this nature. I so definitely that, want to explore with you the team aspect here. You needed to earn 100 points. Now, just to uh, walk uh, the uh, the listeners through. They can go to greennonprofits.org and either click on certification tab or go to greennonprofits.org forward slash certification. When they get there, they're going to see either an online version of the application uh, or they can download a PDF version of the the uh, um, the certification document. Now, when you you did that, what what does that look like and what did you see in the application? How did you organize yourself? Well, the, the application itself is divided into certain groups of initiatives, and there are several within each group. There are several required initiatives, and then and then many more elective initiatives. So you can really kind of cater what initiatives you will undertake based on what inter, what your organization is like and what your building is like. You know, for example, we're we ourselves are within an office suite within a larger building, so we don't have control over you know the outside and cleaning of the outside and greening of the, you know, your outside environment. And so we were able to go through and the application and separate what we were able to do versus what we were not able to do as an organization. So when someone looks at the application, one of the first things that they'll see is that there are various categories that you earn points in, and ultimately you want to earn 100 points, but those categories are general going green, purchasing, solid waste, 
water efficiency, employee practices, landscaping, energy efficiency, chemical use and pollution prevention, and transportation. So when you look at that, this looks pretty uh, pretty extensive and, and comprehensive. Um, was it daunting to you to think about moving in this direction? Um, you know, at first, yes, opening the application and seeing all the different options, it was daunting. Um, but really, it it helped so much to just kind of separate our goals and make short-term and long-term goals um, in order to kind of make this task seem less daunting. Um, but in and, the end, it didn't... You mentioned in your, your strategy that the first thing that you did is you sort of read through and identified those things that you've already done. What does that mean? Can you earn points for things you've already done, or do you have to do all new things? No, absolutely. There, You can certainly earn points for initiatives that your organization has already undertaken. You know, for example, we had already had an extensive recycling program of, you know, cans, bottles, and paper, and so we were able to earn points for that sort of thing that we had already completed, and there were several others. So that gives you a little boost in the beginning and makes the 100 points seem less challenging. <laughs> right, so you have to earn 100 points. When you went through that initial review and sort of identifying things that you had already done, approximately how much of the application did you already have done before you sort of got started? I believe in the beginning, just straight off, we had about 40 points almost. We had a, a good portion of it already completed. And, of course, um, you know, the closer that you get to the 100 points, the more challenging the initiatives become because it's natural that you would, you would complete the easier initiatives, you know, in the beginning. And so we had a good, strong head start on the program, um, but then it, you know, slowly got more, more complicated as we moved through the 100 points. All right. So you had 50 to 60% that you still needed to, uh, to accomplish. Exactly. Um, how, how did you tackle that, and, and, and uh, what advice do you have uh, for listeners today who might be thinking about going in this direction, um, what were some of the tips and, and maybe some of the things that you'd advise that they avoid? Um, certainly, I, it, like I said before, it involves your, the whole team, your whole office staff. Um, so it was important for me to sit down with them and show them some of the things that I believed were possible for us to do and to, to get their feedback on it. You know, what what can we all do together? What can we continue to do? Because another, you know, piece of advice that is important to know from the beginning and to ensure that your team knows from the beginning is that once your organization becomes certified, it doesn't mean the initiatives will end. And so each each initiative you complete is a long-term commitment that the whole team needs to be involved in. So it was also important in getting everyone's feedback to make sure that what we were doing was sustainable. Um, and so, so that was another way that we tackled it um, here at CAF America. I know you were listening. We just had uh, Greg Carlson, Vice President of Giving USA Foundation, uh, here on the board talking about the importance of boards of directors. Was your board involved in any way in this process? They actually were. We had a board meeting right when we were finishing up the last of our 100 points, and one of the required initiatives um, within this application is for the support of the board um, which is, you know, very important in any aspect of a nonprofit organization. And so it was a great experience to be able to tell them what we had done and say, hey, you guys have the last two points. Do you, you know, approve this initiative and do you support this undertaking? And so that was great because they were very, they were very enthusiastic about it and they supported it wholeheartedly. <laughs> so you were ultimately uh, certified. Congratulations uh, on Thank that. You. How long did it take you from when you started to to actually having your application reviewed and then getting the good news? Um, from start to finish, it took about three months, um, but that was, you know, very ambitious. I was eager to have it completed by the board the board meeting. Um, but, but we were able to do it um, very easily within three months. So if, if you have a certain goal of a time period, that it's, it was definitely doable within that period of time. In your interaction with the staff at Green Nonprofits, did you get an indication of whether or not that was um, a common length of time, or were you sort of on the, the uh, aggressive end? Um, I think they were certainly surprised that I had completed it in the, the period that we, we did, um, but I didn't receive um, a, a specific indication of the average length of time. But they did seem, you know, they were very supportive in our aggressive, um, you know, approach to this initiative. So, well, Congratulations. You must be very proud, I know, as the CEO of uh, CAF America, I'm extremely proud that uh, the team here did pull together and that we were able to 
uh, obtain the certification from uh, from green nonprofits. So Jesse Kraft, coordinator of uh, philanthropic advisory services and grants assistant at Charities Aid Foundation of America, thank you for joining us today and uh, sharing your insight into uh, how organizations can and should uh, become green nonprofits. Great, thank you so much. It was great speaking with you. You bet. Uh, back here on the uh, Nonprofit Coach, we have uh, now finished up on uh, page one. That means it is now time for us to uh, move over uh, to page two guests. I'm so pleased to welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, The Green Show, Barbara Wiseman, the international president of the Earth Organization. Over the past 30 years, Barbara has worked with a variety of international organizations from helping displaced refugees from nations as diverse as Chile, Iran, and Iraq, Vietnam, and Laos to resettle in their new American homes to introducing effective management principles to business and government leaders in Russia and Mexico. In 2003, Lawrence Anthony, a world-renowned conservationist, invited her to help him create the Lawrence Anthony Earth Organization, an international nonprofit dedicated to investigating and sorting out the truth from fiction on environmental issues, and then introducing workable solutions to real problems that face us in those areas. As the international president, she has spearheaded the Earth Organization's U.S. activities introducing a campaign to clean up toxic environment in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, the creation of environmental workshops for school children, and the creation of spectacular educational echo safaris to South Africa. So uh, definitely a person who is extremely busy, and we are honored to have Barbara Wiseman here live on the Nonprofit Coach the Green Show. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here, Ted. Barbara, what an impressive resume you have and such important work that you do. As you know, here on the Nonprofit Coach, we do this special green show because we are uh, particularly passionate about the environment, and I'm drawn to your organization uh, as one that really seeks to provide truthful information um, and does not come at it with sort of a preconceived notion. Um, How do you exist in this uh, increasingly polarized environmental state? Well, that's a, that's actually a, a great question. Um, you know, I think the key to it really is kind of staying up above the playing field and not getting down into uh, be- becoming, um, you know, battling back and forth uh, between these various sides, but really kind of staying up above it and, and looking at what's actually occurring here and what would be the greatest good for every everyone, everything involved, every element involved in this equation. And then yeah, Barbara, I might be uh, a, a little bit biased on this topic, but one of the frustrations that I've had in, in talking to some people regarding things like global warming and protecting the environment and things of that sort is, is it almost seems as if when I'm having the conversation, they, they want to scream out to me, please don't bother me with the facts. I'm going to believe what I want to believe, no matter what the facts are. How do you hmm. break through that? Another great question. Do you know, I think it really, there will always be some people who simply, you know, are so stuck in their fixed ideas based on incomplete or inaccurate information that that there there isn't much that you could do that you can do with them. But most people. Um, when they do hear the truth, and and you 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 know you are providing information that is based on actual factual factual data, not hearsay or opinion or uh, you know some PR agenda or something. You're actually just showing them the, the factual data. They can see that and judge for themselves and begin to see that oh maybe maybe I didn't have all the information or maybe I I uh, you know there is more here that I could learn. Um, well, and it's, it's it, certainly I, I always try to look at the other at the other side and you're an organization that that certainly um, tries to provide that um, uh, that space. So looking at for instance the topic of global warming. Help me understand how very um, well-placed senior people 
in their professions, go to work every day, um, successful in many ways in their uh, in their in their uh, their lives, um, would straight up with a straight face um, say there's nothing to it, complete, made up. How how well, how does the science speak to that? It, can you help me maneuver well, that? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It again, it is providing providing the factual data. Um, because if if someone is a straight up individual and is intelligent and and you know has the ability to look and has any interest in looking, if somebody doesn't have any interest really and it's not an area that they're that they want to put any attention on, then there's no way that you're gonna you know it's gonna be pretty tough to get through to that person. But but you know if you actually have specific factual data that isn't slanted. And 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 you yourself are willing to look at both both sides of the issue, and actually take the data that they have, and look at the the validity of that. Um, and maybe the information they have is incorrect. Maybe it's not. Maybe you know, or maybe it's not evaluated against the bigger picture. Maybe there's some situation that's going on in one particular area that that makes it appear that that uh, something is different than than it is uh, more more broadly. What we really tried to do is is uh, stay, you know, pretty neutral on this issue, frankly, because it is such a um, not to be a, have a pun here, but it's such a hot issue, and it's it is, um, uh, you know, our viewpoint on it is that there there is a trem- there are a tremendous number of scientists, um, very credible scientists on both sides of this issue. And, um, uh, so, and so can you, our, can you our say to our audience today uh, that there really are two very legitimate sides to that issue? Yes. Uh, is global I really warming do. something that humans have affected? You know, I really do feel that there's two sides to that. There's no question that 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 uh, there's an you know that there's an impact. I think no one is saying that, you know except the most extreme of saying that there's no impact. The jury is still out to a certain degree on uh, the the degree of impact. Now that said, the there is no question that the amount of uh, you know and and uh, nobody would be insane would say that that the amount of pollution that we're putting into the environment um, is completely unacceptable and completely destructive. And that if that's causing global warming, or you know, or it's not causing global warming, there's, uh, you know, that has to stop. That has to change. And the activities, you know, we need to embark on the activities necessary to to change that. So it's, you know, again, it's kind of this viewpoint that you, you know, that I mentioned at first of staying up above the playing board, and being willing to look at both sides of it and listen to both sides um uh and not be intractable in in your in your viewpoint sometimes you know you can have a fair amount of scientific data and and again get a, a quite a fixed idea on one side of it and on your own side not be willing to listen to the what the other side the other the, the actual data the other side has as well and i think being able to change people's opinions and viewpoints has a lot to do with being able to also really, really listen and really understand their viewpoint on it as well. And those, dis- you know, those are important discussions, Ted. I mean, you, you, you know that full well. They're extremely important discussions. And if we're really going to come down to figuring out, you know, uh, how to handle this situation, we've got to be all willing to, you know, to communicate. And part of our job here on the Green Show, and, and you are eminently uh, positioned so well to help us with this, is um, to to help our listeners today, who are by and large uh, nonprofit executives, um, to have the information that they need to make a case to their boards of directors as to why certain things are important. And we talk about all sorts of things here on the show from social media to online fundraising, offline fundraising, and today our topic is uh, going green because this is our special edition 
The Green Show. So for our topic today, for our listeners who want to make a difference, want to show to their communities, want to express uh, themselves, whether they, they want to pursue becoming a green nonprofit through the greennonprofits.org organization or not, they want to uh, advance the cause of their community and the environment. Um, but yet you may have a, a, a board that you know, uh, is not supportive because they don't feel that that's important or they don't agree or they're, they're, they're you know, so much in the camp of, of an opposition that they just feel that anything that might um, show support for the environment um, is you know, going, going too political. How do you speak to that from a nonprofit perspective? You, you run a nonprofit. You, you believe from your perspective that you need to be very much middle of the road, but yet you want to advance the cause of the environment. So how do you balance all of that? Um, this is this is interesting. You know, the what you're doing, I think, is so important, Ted, because with this certification process that you do, um, uh, it, it is obviously doing doing a number of of different very beneficial things. Whether somebody, whether a board member believes in uh you know or has uh yeah believes in global warming or that that mankind is impacting global warming or not doesn't shouldn't really have uh a an impact on or they should be able to 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 be reasoned with that um uh doing the right thing with conserving our resources and um not not contributing to you know further pollution of the planet as much as possible um you know utilizing uh, recycling uh um you know as a means of of best um utilizing resources to their fullest and that sort of thing are important these are extremely important whether you believe in global warming or not and therefore that certification process that you have i think is very important in the the other uh you know nonprofits um uh in following you know could could discuss this with their boards from the viewpoint of by following these we are actually really demonstrating uh by example the importance of of doing these things and these are things that we can all do um uh and so i i think it really is it's it's such a you know ob- sort of obvious point particularly as a as a environmental nonprofit or as any nonprofit um uh who cares anything about the planet that we live on um you know the these these are simple things that that everyone should be doing well, and I think the point that you're making there is so important, and I, and, and I, I will be honest, I was hoping you'd make that point, um, is that, that for our listeners today, for nonprofit organizations, we're certainly aware of that for potentially a lot of different reasons. The environment has become overly political, but that shouldn't affect the dialogue that you have with board members, even if they want, they feel that things are political, it shouldn't be based on your organization taking a political stand. It's about the conservation of resources. It's about what's doing right for your organization. Um, it's about the bottom line of your organization. Um, so to, to try to steer the, the, the discussion in the direction of doing what's right for the community and the environment and set aside and be, be very transparent to your board to say, we're actually consciously putting aside the issues of politics um, for another day, another time, or another organization. That's not why we're doing this. Um, actually can help get this on the table at a time that organizations really need to. Is, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the point you make about the bottom line, I think, is is excellent. Um, um, you know, although as we all know, there are certain things that that to go green it may cost a, a little bit more. Uh, you know, in the immediate, uh, you know, in the immediate um, uh, moment, uh, you know, the the long term and and greater good benefit of that if so far exceeds 
um, you know, a little bit of expense. And the fact is that with the bottom line, for example, there are ways that you can, uh, you know, save significant funds on, um, you know, on doing things that are green, on recycling. There, for example, there is a wonderful organization here in the Los Angeles area called A New Foundation, A-N-E-W Foundation. And they have a, a wonderful tagline. I just love it. It's doing what's right with what's left. And what they do is they go around and they pick up um, unwanted um, uh, merchandise, uh, unwanted desks and office supplies, uh, that sort of thing, from um, from uh, companies that are going out of business or are moving or are upgrading, um, that sort of thing. And, and they take those things to a warehouse in the L.A. area and make those things available to other nonprofits for free. You sign up as a member of a new and um, uh, you can go, you know, uh, to their warehouse and whatever you need, conference table, desk, chairs, office supplies, paintings for your walls, uh, you know, staplers, whatever you need, um, if they've got it, you can, you can just have it for your office. Um, you know, and you arrange to go to their warehouse and, and just pick up what you want. It's, uh, uh, you know, like Christmas. <laughs> but right. it is... But so these are, they're setting an example are, of not only, you know, helping clean up the environment and, and keep things out of uh, landfill, but also recycling and reusing. Absolutely, absolutely. And saving all that money on, you know, buying buying desks and chairs. I mean, office supplies and, and that sort of thing can get very expensive, particularly for, you know, new young nonprofits. And so having a resource like that, where uh you know that money that would would go towards um furnishing an office can actually go towards your programs that's something that that you know any any board member would have to be interested in so i think that there you know there are ways that boards can be talked to about this that that really show them that not only is it the right thing to do but that it can that can you know help the bottom line and make it possible to focus even more energy and attention on on what the 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 programs are that that particular nonprofit is engaged in. That's it's, it's such important work and such a, a great example because um, those are the sorts of things that um, for organizations that have such activities in their community can ha actually help uh, stretch your budget. Um, Barbara, we're going to take a, a quick a little station break here. When we come back, I, I actually want to delve into a little bit more about the Earth Organization and the work uh, that you folks do, the important work and the resources uh, that you bring to bear on our community, uh, and we will be right back. I want to talk to you about an exciting enterprise that is poised to make a definite impact on philanthropic marketplace, and the company is called Fund Coaches. Fund Coaches is the only premier online fundraising institute in existence today. Fund Coaches helps fundraising professionals and lay nonprofit leaders like you to improve your fundraising efforts. You have to try Fund Coaches to see what you're missing. All of the Fund Coaches training modules are short, sweet, meaningful. They're taught by top experts uh, in the field, uh, many of whom uh, have been guests and will be guests here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. You could enjoy viewing Fund Coaches modules at home, uh, at the office, uh, a great way for junior staff members to be trained in a very inexpensive way. All the modules are ridiculously affordable. If that wasn't enough, the good folks at Fund Coaches uh, want the listeners of this show uh, to have an additional 50% off uh, for uh, any modules that you may purchase this month. So I'm going to let you get your uh, your pencils out here. You're going to go to fundcoaches.com uh, and check out, um, uh, when you check out the modules that you want, this is the discount code that you want to use. That's N as in Nancy, L, S as in Sam, B-I-N-U-P. That's N-L-S-B-I-N-U-P. Uh, Fun Coaches is a terrific way for you to train your staff. Don't miss that opportunity. And thank you to the good folks at Fun Coaches uh, for sponsoring the Nonprofit Coach 
uh, radio show. Next up here, before we head back to our page two expert today, Barbara Wiseman is here, the international pre- president of the Earth Organization. I do want to draw your attention to a few things over in the P2P fundraising newsletter. Of course, the People-to-People Fundraising Social Networking Web 2.0 for Charities is the official newsletter of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Uh, and in the the uh, most recent edition, which is PHP issue 113, you will find uh, that the good folks at Green Nonprofits have actually uh, promoting the number one green show we've ever had um, in uh, the series that we have done in partnership with GreenNonprofits.org uh, was the show that was just actually done on May 22nd of this year. On May 22nd of this year, we had Amy Frankel, who is the Director and Regional Representative of the United Nations Environment Program Regional Office for North America. That podcast is now available at tedhart.com, and that is the number one rated uh, green show. And I know that they'll be releasing uh, the top ten green shows ever. Um, I also want to draw attention to upcoming episodes of The Nonprofit Coach. Now, next week is a very special week here on The Nonprofit Coach because we actually start on Monday. Yes, that's Monday. The show is usually on Tuesdays. But on Monday, we have a very special edition of The Nonprofit Coach live from BBCon. BBCon is a blackboard conference that's going to be held in Washington, D.C. at the National Harbor. The show is going to start at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, so mark your calendars. Everything is different. It's a special 90-minute show on October 1st at 11.30, so don't miss the special BBCon uh, show. We will also have a, a regular edition of the Nonprofit Coach radio show the very next day, so you're going to be able to double up on the Nonprofit Coach next week. The Nonprofit Coach Page 2 expert next week will be Linda Lysakowski, who's going to be here offering her best tips and advice of years of experience in successfully running capital campaigns. Uh, the following week, we'll be right back on our regular schedule, October 9th, uh, Sean Triner, who is a global fundraising guru, will be here live on the Nonprofit Coach. Following week uh, will be Dave uh, Sims from the Leukemia Foundation. Um, and, uh, and then uh, we will have David LaGreca, who is an expert in governance matters, on October 23. So that is um, our upcoming lineup here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, and we're going to uh, head back over to our Page 2 expert. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. We are live here on The Nonprofit Coach, The Green Show, and we have Barbara Wiseman here the international president of the Earth Organization. Now, we do have a link over in the radio links today at tedhart.com to earthorganization.com. Barbara, when my listeners go there, what will they learn, what will they see, and what can they do uh, related to your organization? Well, um, one thing to note is that um, the website earthorganization.com is the U.S website and uh earthorganization.org is the uh international website. I okay. recommend both of those sites for for kind of looking checking out what what we're doing. Sure. Um, Which one would you like to talk about first? The .org? Well, um as far as as who we are and what we're doing. Um yeah. uh it, you know, probably the uh earth organization yeah, the earthorganization.org. Okay, so uh, we're there. I've got that up on on my screen, and we're going to give our listeners just a a little bit of opportunity if they're at their desktops to find earthorganization.org. So tell us all about the Lawrence Anthony Earth Organization, what makes it special, and why for our listeners today it's an important resource. Okay. Um, The Earth Organization was founded by this man, Lawrence Anthony. Lawrence was a uh, a world-renowned conservationist. He was an extraordinary person. He unfortunately just passed away this last March. But um, uh, Lawrence was was really quite extraordinary. There have been three books uh, written 
one was called, uh, the first one was called Babylon's Ark, and it was about his extraordinary rescue of the Baghdad Zoo at the beginning of the Iraqi war in 2003, when everyone else was fleeing from Iraq, Lawrence, completely on his own, um, uh, went into Iraq and took over the zoo and uh, was there for five and a half months rescuing and protecting and rebuilding uh, that zoo. In fact, he what, he was so amazing. He actually beat the U.S. military as the first public works, um, uh, uh, you know, public facility um, reopened uh, during that war. He beat the U.S. military in, in getting the water and power back on. And, um, uh, you know, that was the largest zoo in the Middle East, Um before the war, and uh, you know, Lawrence knew that during World War II, during the, the earlier war in, in Kuwait and Afghanistan, and uh, the zoos there had had basically been, you know, uh, very very heavily impacted, if not wiped out. Um, uh, you know, a, a zoo is the first thing to go to the bottom of most people's priority list in the middle of a war, and, and that's understandable. Um, but he realized that the animals in the Baghdad Zoo were really in trouble. And so as the tanks were rolling into Baghdad, um, he was watching CNN. He just decided that he, this wasn't going to happen again on his watch. And so completely on his own, he went in there, and he was there, as I said, for five and a half months. As a result of that experience, he decided to start uh, an organization that would be dedicated to um, uh, a number of principles, one was that before we take any project on, we first look to see, um, is there actually a situation going on here? Is there an environmental or a conservation situation that we feel needs to be addressed? Sometimes, you know, you can hear about things in the media, and then when you actually go and look, you find that it's really not at all what, what uh, you know, uh, it was the way it was being reported on. But if there actually, so that's the first principle. The second principle is if there is something that we feel actually needs to be addressed, that we then research to find out what is the honest-to-God source of that problem. And, and the analogy that I use all the time, um, uh, because it, I think it communicates well, is that if you're on the Titanic and you've hit the iceberg, there are a thousand things that you can do on that ship to, quote, make it better. You can fix the engine. You can get the people back on board who've fallen overboard. You can, you know, create a beautiful new menu for the passengers. You can rearrange the deck chairs so they're more aesthetically pleasing. I mean, there's there are endless things you can do on that ship that will, quote, make it better. But if you're not handling the hole in the hole, it's all for naught. It's going down. And so um, uh, prior to helping Lauren start this organization, I was the executive director of a good-sized management consulting company, and this was a principle that we always used when we went into a company to help them out, is we would first take a look with the owner of that company, what is the ideal scene? And this is a, a, for, for your nonprofit people who are listening, this is a principle. Anyone running any kind of an organization, this is a principle that you can use that is that is extremely um, effective. Take a look at what are – if this situation was the most ideal that it could be, if it was just running exactly the way you wanted it to and you were making the money that you were – you know, and, and you were producing the products that you wanted and you were doing exactly what you wanted, what would that scene look like? And really really define what that what that perfect scene, what that ideal scene would be. Then you look at what's the existing situation and you find the hole in the hole. And you do that by looking at the statistics, all right? And what what is the greatest departure right now? What's the greatest departure from that ideal scene? And if you fix that, you fix the hole in the hole. If once you fix the hole in the hole, you will have moved that entire scene one step closer towards the ideal scene. But if so, what do, for the average yeah. nonprofit listening today? Um, what's the first step in, in identifying that that process for becoming more green within an organization who is not an environmental organization, whose main focus is not the environment, but they as a staff people feel it's an important indication of their corporate citizenship? Well, what I would do is I would, um, you know, I would take your 
checklist and look that over and see what I was doing and what I wasn't doing. And what, you know, in looking over that list, I think that you'll be able to see things that, well, this is this is bigger than we can take on now. This we've already got in place. But here's one that this is important. You know, this is this out of all of these other things of things that we could do something about right now, this is actually important. Right. And so treat it you know, as a step by step, important. don't get overwhelmed, okay. but realize how important it is that just by taking those small steps you join in something bigger than yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's yeah. a, that's a that's a, a significant message and, and uh, a very uh, uh, grateful uh, uh, endorsement of the um, the checklist because the, the the perspective of the Green Nonprofits Organization is that it's there as a guide whether you seek certification or not, and of course the organization appreciates those who do want to go the extra mile and do want to seek um, certification. But it's more important that the education get out there, that there, there are small steps that add up to big, um, uh, big outcomes. And I think that that's part of the message that you bring from the Earth Organization straight from your, your founder uh, onto your work is that um, it can be small steps that add up to making a big difference. That's right. That's right, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think you've provided a real service to people. And I, I think, you know, putting the, the way you have put that checklist up on your website for people to access and look at, um, that once they get started on that process and, and see, you know, the benefits of that, that, that if they hadn't intended to become certified, that they may, that may inspire them once they get, do some of those steps, that may inspire them to want to follow through and do that. Right, exactly. And, and I, I thought uh, Jesse Kraft earlier uh, on page one did such a great job at just saying, you know, break it down. Chances are, if you're thinking about this, you've probably already done some things that will add uh, to uh, your point total. Um, and then just take small goals of saying, I'm, I'm going to earn five points this, this month or ten points next month, and, and perhaps I can uh, become certified by the middle of next year rather than, you know, uh, pushing yourself to um, uh, to try to get it done overnight. That it really should be a significant engagement of the entire team, which I think is a, an important point that, that Jesse made. Um, what comes yeah. next for the Earth Organization? Well, we are working on a, a large number of projects. We've got 23 chapters in 21 countries now, and we, um, you know, each one of the chapters is working on issues that are important to them in their own geographical areas. But uh, internationally and and um, uh, and in the U.S., we've got some, uh, you know, the the U.S. headquarters. We've got some huge projects that I think are extremely important and. Um, uh, and we're making some very interesting headway. One of the things that we're doing in South Africa is that we've created two extreme, very large game reserves. One of them will soon become one of the largest game reserves in the world. Um, it's, uh, it will be over 500,000 acres. And um, uh, it is for the benefit of the local Zulu tribes. It is uh, benefiting their economy. It is providing jobs for them. And But one of the main reasons that we've created this and that Lawrence uh, uh, started this is to um, move the, the local indigenous peoples away from poaching as an industry to a, an industry of ecotourism. Um, where by so doing, it not only benefits their economy, but it also benefits the wildlife because the animals become more valuable to them alive than dead. And because of the size of the of the, the uh, you know the uh, collab the properties that we have joined together in collaboration with six Zulu tribes, the property he already had, as well as the um, uh, the South African government has joined together with us on one of their game reserves on this. Um, it's recreated, um, uh, recreating migration corridors for the wildlife uh, that hadn't been there in decades. Another thing that we're doing here in the U.S. Um, uh, oh, it, it, it is um, the, the main focus right now that we have in the U.S. is uh, on water, clean water and preserving water. And uh, we were inspired in this direction uh, particularly because of Hurricane 
Virginia and what happened to the to the, the waters and the uh, the soil. Um, so your your experience uh, is is quite extensive, and the work that you do around the world is so important. We are uh, nearing the end of the show, which is always a surprise uh, how quickly it goes. So before we run out of time, uh, can you make sure that my listeners know how to reach you? Absolutely. Um, they can email us at info at theearthorganization.org. Don't, don't forget the V. So info at theearthorganization.org. Well, please, I encourage all my listeners to use the greennonprofits.org as a resource, uh, and uh, I'm sure that they've been inspired by your work, Barbara. Uh, Barbara Wiseman, the international president of the Earth Organization, uh, was here today as our page two expert. And again, Barbara, thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach, The Green Show. Thanks so much for inviting me, Chad. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.